Hey, Stephanie, welcome back to the show. It's been too long since I've talked to you, but I'm excited to have you back and uh, get you to share everything that you know, which is quite extensive for everybody listening. So how are you doing? I'm good. I am excited to be back. I was glad to get your DM and you already are setting me up to like have all this knowledge, which I love. That's what I love about you. Yeah. So I've been doing good. So excited to see you. Very good. So tell us a little bit about your experience this morning boxing. You said that was against, uh, what was the guy's name? Mayweather that you fought? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wish, right? I mean, because I mean, I would have lost, of course, but the publicity on that would have been enough for me to retire. Not that I want to retire, but yeah, no, it was just my boxing class yeah. <laughs> against myself in the bag. Right on. So yeah, both of us have, I guess, been doing a little bit of exercise, which is always good, not only for the body, but for the brain. Um, other than that, Stephanie, you've been keeping very busy, as have I. Uh, we've been trying to do a podcast. I think I reached out to you last month. But finally, we're here, we're ready to go. Here. We're Let's ready do. to go. So we're gonna crush it. I think okay. as you said on Twitter, we're crushing it. We will. We are already. So yeah, exactly. starting off the show, um, just for a little bit of a background on Stephanie, for those of you who are new listeners, Stephanie's a corporate trainer, does a lot of uh, coaching for both business owners, businesses, and employees. Um, so one of the things that we're going to talk about is development in the workplace and about how it's one of the true motivators of driving employee engagement. Would you say keeping them? Yeah, driving employee engagement, motiv motivating them to go above and beyond, mm -hmm. um, keeps them employed, right? I mean, they don't go looking for somewhere else to be because they feel like they're being developed. But yeah, it's it's huge. So you said there are two motivators. Um, two true motivators. Mm -hmm. First one being development, and what is the second one? Second one's genuine appreciation. Okay. Yeah. So, go, go ahead. No, 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 no. I want to hear from you. Well, okay. So when, when people say to me, how do I keep employees motivated so that they don't want to leave and go somewhere else and, you know, turnover costs money, it, depending on the organization. I mean, some of the ones I support locally and across the country, it's three to three to $10,000 uh, when they turn over somebody, you know, right. For investing in more training and, and development and things of that nature. So turnover costs are, are huge and high. So how do we keep people and keep them motivated? And there are only two true motivators. And I believe this. Now, I believe family is the base. And when I say family, I put that, of course, in quotation marks because family is how you define it. So family being my base of, you know, what motivates me. When I get into a workspace in place then, because again, family being my base, there are two true motivators, I believe, that are inside an organization. You've got genuine appreciation and growth and development opportunities. Now those opportunities can be vertical and horizontal. And why do I say that those are the two? Um, it's been proven. So everything else that you think about inside of a workspace in place, like pay, benefits, um, you know, the environment in which I'm working. Do they offer, do they have a quiet room? Do they have a breastfeeding room? Do they have, right? Uh, 
what are the bathrooms like? Mm -hmm. You know, what is it painted like? What does it look like? Um, do they offer ways in which we can partner with the community? All of those things tend to be satisfiers or dissatisfiers. So either I'm good with it or I'm not. And when I'm not good with it, that's when I talk about it. I talk about it right to my family at home. I talk about it with my coworkers and I talk about how dissatisfied I'm, I am. When I get to the point of being satisfied, I no longer, it's, it's not a motivation to work harder, right? It's not a motivation to stay somewhere. Two true motivators then are genuine appreciation and growth and development opportunities. Now I can talk about both if you want, but I know we were really here to talk about development. Yeah. Well, so I think genuine appreciation is relatively easy to understand. I mean, you know, you can show genuine appreciation in several different ways. You just want to make sure that the person you're showing genuine appreciation for receives it as such. But let's, let's talk a little bit about the growth and development. Yeah. So just quickly on genuine appreciation, you hit the nail on the head and that's why I love uh, working with you and collaborating is because it is simple. It, 98% of the time when I ask people, if I'm your supervisor, your manager, if I want to appreciate you genuinely, what does it take? Most people will say, just tell me, be timely about it. Tell me, be a little specific. Um, and yeah, don't put me in the employee newsletter that says employee of the month or yeah. give me a parking spot. You don't have to have this generalized program for appreciation. It's just tell me. So you're absolutely 100% spot on on genuine appreciation. And I love that you said ensuring that the person receives it as such, mm -hmm. which requires then you to ask people, when you do good work, how would you like to be recognized for it? So see, smart guy, uh, smart guy. So development. To me, when I see it as a motivator within an organization is either vertical or horizontal development. Uh, vertical development to me means potentially more money, but really what it means is I'm maybe gaining more responsibility as I climb to a different position where actually I go from being a base level employee and now I've gotten responsibility and where I have to supervise these base level employees. And then if I'm moving up even more, it's where I am a leader leading leaders. Mm -hmm. So now I'm responsible for coaching downward so that they can coach downward. So at, what we find is in vertical development is people are feeling like, hmm, I, I achieved something. And now I'm responsible for developing people. So that's vertical development. Now, horizontal development is one where organizations kind of forget about because horizontal development is, well, I may not be getting more pay, right? And more added responsibility in terms of people. But what I'm doing is I'm broadening my, broadening my knowledge base at the level I'm at. So I'm not just pigeonholed into this one job that I'm doing for eight hours or 10 or whatever your shift is, right? Or however long you need to be there. 
So now I'm learning something about the organization, the culture, which I know you like talking about organizational culture. So I'm learning about the culture. I'm learning about the mission and the vision and how all those pour into all of these various jobs. I'm actually learning the various jobs and I'm not sitting at my desk doing something the same way every single day for eight hours. So now I've been given this opportunity to expand my knowledge base horizontally about a culture of an organization. And that feels good because I'm doing something different, but I'm seeing the big picture, right? I'm, I'm understanding and seeing the big picture. So that's what I mean by development being one of two true motivators. And unfortunately, what tends to happen, as you and I have talked about, is that it costs money to develop people. And it's hard sometimes to quantify what that means to a bottom line for an organization. So, you know, if I'm trying to decide, do I need to make these 3,000 widgets for a customer, or do I need to develop people, and I only have so much money, development tends to get pushed to the wayside. Right. And then people wonder though, why is our turnover so high? You know, why, why is it, I mean, right. Three to $10,000 for some of my clients. So it's an interesting area. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Um, Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it is the way that it is where development is kind of pushed to the back burner, especially, you know, people like us realize how important it is, but you know, there, there's something you brought up a little bit earlier, right? Where you're talking about the satisfiers versus dissatisfiers. And in the past, I think it was a very different outlook on it. You know, people were worried about their boss, who they answered to, what their sales were like, what their paycheck was like, how many hours they work. Now people are more concerned and it's a good thing, but they're more concerned with, Am I fulfilling my purpose? Do I feel like I belong here? How is my social well-being? How is my physical well-being? And I think that shift is a very good shift in the American economy, in the American um, workplace. But where I was, where I was getting with that, um, you know, I, I've been a part of a couple of organizations who still kind of rely on that old model. And actually I I worked at the gym that I go to for about one month and I've been lifting there for about six months and I have never seen an employee there for longer than about two months. It's just people cycling through. And I understand why, because I work there. They don't, care they don't talk to you they have you come in they send you through the training and they say all right go and go get some sales and it's like yeah, that's not the way to go like um and of course they won't understand that if you took just a little bit more time and spend a few more resources on actually developing the developing these people making them feel like they belong you'd stop wasting so much time and money just cycling through these employees like it's clockwork so very important for companies to recognize the importance of both vertical and horizontal development. But also, um, one thing I find very interesting is the best companies anyways already do development. And not only that, but they prioritize it. Um, It's just unfortunate that the other companies don't follow suit. But I want to get just a little bit more into how 
um, you know, like what kind of psychology goes into why expanding your knowledge or moving up and managing people makes somebody feel motivated? Well, okay. So I'm going to, I have a, my answer to that in turn, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, but in my years of experience as a human resources professional, um, one of the jobs I had, like, you know, whatever, eons ago, it seems like now, um, it was, I was the HR manager for a local manufacturing facility, and it was a food plant. And I'm not going to tell you what they made because, or what they make, because then you'll figure out where it was. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but um, my boss at the time recognized the importance of this. And what he said to me was, he said, Stephanie, before you can support these people in these roles, I need you to go out and you need to spend time in each of these roles and learn them. Like you, you need to do them. And I love, I, I love that. I advocate that. Uh, so I did that. I spent time in each of the roles that I was about to support. And there were several different roles that I was support, you know, about to support where these people would be in this space and place of a job they were doing for eight to 10 hours, where it literally took them anywhere from seconds to figure out best method, mm -hmm. right? I'm at my very best and this is the best method to do it all the way up to if it was a little bit more technical of a job, right. Might take an hour. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. One, one of the jobs was standing on a, you know, a line, a conveyor belt line, and it was taking one food particle and putting it on top of another. And I would tell you what it was, but then you know, so the goal was is to get a food particle on top of another food particle, right? Before it hit the freezer. So everything was covered. So when I get to that job, I'm like, Ooh, this is fun, right? This is a challenge for me. We are biologically engineered to take a challenge. I mean, like we're just, there's a part of us that goes, Ooh, that, that's new. I want to try that. Mm -hmm. And then not only do we want to try it, but we want to try to do it the best we can. Yes. Like we don't like making mistakes. Mm -hmm. So here we, I went to this, this job, right? Where I was putting food particle on food particle. And I got to this point where I'm like, Oh, I'm excited. Right. New it's new. So I start doing it and I'm very into it. I'm very focused. Literally it took me eight seconds to figure out the best method where I was at my best, right? Best method. And I'm doing it. There was, there was no way to improve upon it because I got it down. And now I'm like, wait, I've got to do this for another seven hours, 59 minutes and 52 seconds. Ah. So I then understood why people quit from those roles, you know, right? Like that. I also understood why people started to get in trouble. Like they started throwing food at each other, right? Across the right way. Um, I understood why they started to have conflict with the people around them uh, because they were so bored that no, this is just not going to work. Mm -hmm. 
So what I said to my boss was, is I'm so, so glad you did this for me because here's five different roles that I went out and learned and supported that we need to start doing something different and developing them. And we need to start cycling them through other positions in that process so they understand that when they're throwing food at each other and missing the boat, what that means for the person down the road, mm -hmm. bigger picture. Yeah. Okay. So to me, some of the psychology that ends up being behind it is we like a challenge, we like to do our best, and we like to you know, improve upon it. Mm -hmm. And so when we are just doing that same thing over and 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 over, and over oh, we start to not perform at our best. We start to then feel like, oh, right? And then we start to do things that maybe we shouldn't because we're bored mm -hmm. and the challenge has been met. Yeah. So, so that, then we decide to leave. Man, that's a, a very that's the way I see it. extreme example. I don't think I could ever imagine lasting one day where I had to stack food particle on top of another food particle. That's got to be brutal. And that's just a whole other challenge in itself is trying to get people to stay when they're doing something like that. I can only imagine how difficult that must have been. But so even so even people though, Joseph, who do um, even more involved jobs, right, um, where they are dealing with people, and it gets more technically involved, and it gets more people involved, they start to get to a point, though, where um, I've been there, I've done it, I've seen it. And so they just check and tick the boxes. And here's an example of that. So let's say I'm, I'm a, an attorney mm -hmm. and I do family law. Once I've gotten the family law system down and I see how it works and right, and once I've seen like every different situation that can happen with family law, now I've got a client that comes in who has one of those situations. I now know exactly how this is gonna go because of my experience. I know that the court system locally, you know, I know the judges, I know how things work. I know the paperwork that needs to happen. So now I find myself, because I've ma almost mastered the technical sides of things, and then we forget that the person sitting in front of us is, it's new to them. It's, it's not like they've been through this a million times. So then what ends up happening is, is we have that frequent flyer syndrome where we don't see people as people any longer. So then you take people in higher level jobs who have been doing that job for years and years and years and years and years. They're not being developed any longer, whether it be horizontally or vertically. And now they don't necessarily see people as people. They see them as a process. That's very interesting. I've never considered that. Well, I coach it. <laughs> so I, I, I coach it to managers and supervisors, you know, and I say to them, you know, you have to remember that the person sitting across from you, most likely this is their first time going through this experience for you. It's like, you know, exactly what's going to, you know, what to do. So even those higher level jobs then tend to become like the putting the food particle on the food. 
Yeah, because does that not, make sense? Yes, it does. And I definitely see, as you mentioned, that where your mindfulness training really comes into play right there, and being aware that there's another person there, it, exactly like you said. There's no other way to put it, but this is their first time. And when you don't realize that because you're just going through the motions like you have been for 10 to 15 years, it's hard to, um, it's hard to do the right thing. So I, that's cool that I was able to recognize that in, in your training. That's um, why I listen. That's why I like you. You're intuitive thinker <laughs> and you listen. So. Yes. Yes. Well, um, I, that's funny that you mentioned that we talked about that uh, a little bit before the show about me being consulted with, or me doing a consult with uh, a psychiatrist for potentially having ADHD. Cause I have an issue listening to a lot of different things when I'm in conversations with somebody, not so much, especially being face to face. Like I can be on the phone with somebody and five minutes into the call, not even know that, I, I mean, I forget that I'm on the phone because my head is just somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I, not the best listener that you've ever seen, but I know when to turn it on, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, and we did talk about that. And I, you know, the whole ADHD thing is, I, I believe it's really important to do a neuropsych evaluation where you do go through some batteries of tests and whatnot, because you will find some specifics about your listening. You know, when is it a struggle for you? You know, is it with certain conversations, certain topics, certain, right? There's a lot of things that you can learn through a neuropsych evaluation about yourself. And some of those things you might be able to be even able to help some of your, your attention issues that you have with some mindfulness exercises. You might not need to get to a point where you need medication, but I love uh, the neuropsych eval. It's, I think, super telling, very helpful, um, where it's not just somebody going, oh, okay, um, three people in your life feel as though that you have attention issues. And I'm not saying that's not valid. It can be very valid and definitely needed. But a neuropsych evaluation really gets some, to some specifics. Like, look, you just said to me, I, I love how you say that I was being a good listener when listening tends to be an issue for me. So it's not always an issue. So let's not generalize. Right. You know, you're, you're, get specific about what your issue is. It's not right. listening is a larger part of something. Gotcha. Yeah. Or maybe you just like me. I don't know. Well, yes. From you. So well, you and I are good collaboration. So yes. Well, plus, see, if I'm not listening to you, then I don't know what to say when you're done talking. And then we got in the show. But enough about me and my listening or lack thereof. I really want to talk about culture within okay. the organization um, before we close out our episode today. Uh, I've had a little bit of experience in dealing with culture you know I played sports growing up um and so with I mean I was the captain right of our football team and I was the president NHS president of my class um in high school so those are really the only experiences I've had in larger organizations but I worked very closely with uh the coaches um athletic director superintendent principals um to to do a lot of those things. And 
so I'm excited to get to talk about this. I want to know what your experience with culture is and what you would consider it to be. Oh, so that's, that, that, that's a big, a big deal. I mean, to me, culture, I've seen organizations who think culture is just about the words in their mission or vision. Mm-hmm. You know, here's our words and just trust me, we live by these words. And I don't typically find mission or vision uh, from an organization across all of the organizations that I've seen being vastly different. You know, there's an element of service. You know, there's an element of treatment. There's an element of quality. So very similar elements across mission and vision in organizations that some organizations say, well, this translates into our culture of our organization. Mm -hmm. And that can be true for some organizations, but some no. Some just say, oh, our culture is our mission and vision. To me, um, a company's organization or organizational culture can start with a mission or vision if, in fact, they have development for people that's put in place that mirrors, matches up, and lives by that mission or vision. So to me, culture is more action or actionable items or actionable people, um, actionable gestures of what an organization has set up to be a mission or vision. And so it's all the various people that are employed by this organization that encompass culture because it's their actions. It's everybody's actions. And at the end of the day, how does that feed back into mission and vision? Mm-hmm. So, so to me, it's all about action, you know, in, in process, people, you know, all of that. So I think of a place, when I think of the word culture, I think of a business like Chick-fil-A or Southwest Airlines. I don't know if y'all have that. In, um, we do have Chick-fil-A and no. we do have Southwest Airlines. Okay. So yeah, you think of those two companies. And you think about how each of the employees within both of those organizations kind of become extensions of the mission and value. And they really exude that to everybody that they encounter. You know, the Mm Chick-fil-A, it's it's always their pleasure. They're always, I mean, picking up every little thing from your table, wiping down every little thing for you, throwing your trash away, coming by, refilling drinks. But just, like you said, excellent standard of service, which is not only, um, I mean, not only is it celebrated, it's expected. Like, (laughs) if you're not doing that, or we're doing something wrong at other places, this may be like, oh, wow, you just filled our cup. Well, that was, that was very nice. Well, um, we'll see you again tomorrow at eight. No, it's for them. It's like, yeah, you, that's what we do here. And I think yeah. that's what I think in a nutshell, culture can be broken down here is what is it like here? Well, like you said, what do we do? And I, I like that a lot because in sports, uh, there's something that we talked about all the time was we create the environment that we want to practice or play in or train in. And so it's the same in a business. You have the ability as employees, as leaders, managers to create the culture and create the atmosphere 
Well, I 100% I agree with you. I think that employees have the ability to right, help create the culture. I think leaders, managers, and supervisors have the duty mm-hmm. and responsibility to do it. Like, if you're not willing to carry out the mission and vision of an organizational culture because it's not a right fit and you decide to move on, okay, right? I mean, right? You might find an organization that's not the right fit. But if you're in an organization where the mission and vision that you can buy into is, you, you know, yes, this is a fit for me. And then you choose, you choose not to live, uh, you know, per the mission or vision and culture. Mm-hmm. No, that's, don't be a manager. Don't be a leader. Don't be a supervisor. And to me, organizational culture can modify, change, right? And should sometimes with the times and the changing times, you know, what might've been acceptable to Chick-fil-A, you know, years ago is may not, it may have, something may have changed. So what doesn't change though is we're all people serving people in some capacity. We all have the same job, same job, people serving people. So that's our common ground. That's our common base. Um, I grew up working for, now this is not going to be a place, you know, I don't think, but it's local. I grew up in Onalaska, Wisconsin. I worked for a family, Scogan's fan, Scogan family. They had Scogan's IGA, right? It was, it was a grocery store. And Dave Scogan, he's written a book. It's called The Boomerang Concept or Boomerang Theory. I forget which. He's, he, if he's listening, if he ever listens, he'll be it. I hope he's not mad at me, but it's boomerang theory, right? He based his whole business off of that boomerang concept. What you give out, you will get back. And I learned from him when I was 15 years old and working in that store that we're creating an experience for people, but we're not just creating the experience for the customer that's paying. We're creating the experience for the people that are working next to you. You're serving them too. They're a customer. And as a leader, you better be walking the talk of the culture, right? In and out of work, in and out of work. So to me, it's 360 degree relationship when we talk about culture. And Festival Foods is now what Scogan's IGA has kind of transitioned into. And they have several stores throughout Wisconsin And you can walk into any one of them and it's similar to Chick-fil-A and it's an experience that's created because they have something called the 10 tile concept. If somebody's within 10 tiles of you, you engage. Mm. Wow. You engage. And sometimes it's just simple as saying, hello, how are you? Do you need any help? Is there anything you need? And what I can tell you is, is that Dave Scogan, Mark Scogan, they walk that talk you see them in a store and they, right. I'm engaged in conversation with them. A customer is coming. They engage, right. 10 tiles. So to me, that's the, that's culture for me is action. And it's action by base level employees that, you know, give that feeling to paying customers or people that they encounter that this is the culture. So people feel it like they feel it. 
And then it's leaders, supervisors, managers saying, this is my duty and responsibility to live this in and outside of an organization, gas station, grocery store at home, back again to work. Yeah. And then that's felt 360 degrees. If they don't fulfill that duty, I mean, there's a complete trust breakdown. You think of an athlete, uh, the a leader of a basketball or a football or soccer team, and you know, every you're supposed to work hard, supposed to put in your best every single practice, every single session, every single uh, training period, whatever. You see somebody slacking, who's the captain? Everybody else follows suit because they're the leader. They say, "Oh, the captain, he's taking it easy. All right, I'm gonna too." And you know, it's it's. Is that the tone? What's that? They set the tone. Right, exactly. So it's a very simple concept to see and to grasp, but another thing to execute it. And not everybody's cut out to be in those positions because they just can't handle being able to do what they need to do every day and every moment, every second, because other people are watching them. So I, I love that you said that because to me then, when we talk about development and bringing that kind of full circle around to culture, mm-hmm. is as managers and supervisors, once we learn, let's say for example, what I would advocate being one of the few, one of the only styles of communication that might work is assertive communication. Mm-hmm. So if I'm gonna coach and teach that to a manager or supervisor or leader, um, and ask that they coach that down, you know, so that they teach that method to the people that report to them. And then those people then in turn teach it to, you know, the people that report to them. They better be the ones using it, right? I mean, as a manager, supervisor, or leader, if I'm saying to my team, if there's an issue or a problem you have with somebody, here's how I'd like you to go about handling that. And then you turn around when there's an issue or a problem and you choose to avoid it. Uh, triangulate or gossip about it, right? I mean, ah, so it's the same example you give um, in terms of a team, a sports team. That's why, yeah, it's all on the leaders. It always is. So, yeah, well, that's a part of the role. I mean, sometimes in training, literally, I've had a manager or supervisor say this to me. Oh, I I just don't have time for that. Mm. And what I, my response don't be a leader. This, this is really the most important role that you have is how you coach, teach, and model culture. I mean, it's the most important role. And sometimes with some people, yes, it takes extra time. But if you're not willing to put in the energy and effort, you're doing a disservice to yourself and those people and that organization, really. Mm-hmm. And then we get to that whole thing of people leaving and quitting because I don't care what people say on an exit interview, even if it's anonymous. We've also been taught not to burn bridges, right? So from my experience and actually getting to talk to people post leaving and where they feel comfortable about being honest, about 95 to 98% of the time, um, putting aside when someone leaves because they're moving, right? Or they're having a baby or, you know, whatever, right? Those, those reasons that are, I don't want to say legitimate, that's the wrong word, but they have nothing to do with 
really the place of employment. It's just things change. 95 to 98% of the time, people leave because of other people in an organization. Wow. And people, what they do is culture. People, how they're developed to carry out the culture is culture. I I love how you you bring it all back full circle and, and really explain how everything's linked to one another. You did a fantastic job of sharing that with our audience and seeing how we go from development to culture to people leaving to employer attention and bottom line faltering so thank you for for doing that because i probably wouldn't have you're so nice you're welcome mm-hmm. um i don't i didn't used to do that it's something that after all of the training and years i of teaching coaching mindfulness and talking about the unselfconsciousness side of mindfulness, which tells you that there's there's a larger purpose, right? There's there's something bigger than me just putting a piece of food on another piece of food. It yeah. fits into a larger part of something else. Mm-hmm. Which actually ends up being culture. <laughs> and and of course, like as you practice something and as you speak about something it just becomes second nature to get better at teaching about it so i'm sure with all your experience and and coaching and and teaching this it's um well it for one it's very good for me i'm thankful to be able to learn those things from you and you just put it in such a simple way for everybody to understand so i think everybody listening i mean they get a really good understanding of development and culture and how it ties into how effective an organization can function. Well, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that everybody is, is accurate, (laughs) accurate, right? Uh Um, You know, years of experience do help, but as we talked kind of before we started our session, just in greeting today, sometimes people will find like a system Mm-hmm. of development that they think is going to work. Like, here's the answer. It's the system. And we just have to be cautious that people are unique and don't always fit in a box. And so a system might help guide us, but it shouldn't be the steering wheel, right? It shouldn't be the driving. Like it has to be in this way done in this order because not everybody gets the order. Right. Some people are different. Mm-hmm. Some people learn where you go backwards. You know, they learn top down instead of bottom up. Or um, they learn piecemeal, right? Like, let's do all of this and get ex, you know, get you an ex, ex, as an expert in this. And then we'll this, right? So sometimes when we have that structure of development, you know, it's a structure development, then we kind of forget about to color outside the lines for certain people. I'm doing something really just quickly to share. Um, I'm excited about, and this has been happening over the last couple of years, but um, organizations are picking up on it, is I'm doing leadership series and training where it's a focus group style where there's, I'll prepare a little something each time and build on leadership traits, but the group kind of drives where that goes based on what they need. Ooh, novel concept, right? Let's just not shove like something down their throats and for everybody, because maybe that's not what is needed. And then they're allowed to do sidebar sort of sessions with me that are individual if they feel they want like added on this or this 
So that's kind of the latest um, excitement in terms of what I'm doing leadership development wise. It's, yeah, it's really, awesome. really fun. Well, I'm glad yeah. that you're excited more than anything. Well, I'm excited for you because you're doing a lot of really cool things right now, heading into some coaching and training you're on your, of your own. So, Well, see, when I started doing all of that stuff and getting involved, you're the first person I thought of. I thought, oh, I have to tell Stephanie. She'd be so excited. I am. I'm super excited for you. It's, I see all your, what you're doing on Twitter. I, I've taken a different approach to Twitter these days. So um, instead of flooding, 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 I'm like, you know, picking and choosing. And I don't have a schedule. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm liking that better, but I do see what you're doing. <laughs> it's all exciting. I keep up with you too. I know you've got a hard stop at I do. five, so we're a minute over, but I'll let you go. Thank you so much for being on the show. I hope I get to be in contact with you again soon. We will. We will. Awesome. Let me know what, what's going on. Let me know if I can help you with anything. Uh, and yes, thank you again for sharing everything that you're willing to share you're welcome and thank you for reaching out and kind of pushing and saying stephanie let's do let's do another recording because these are always fun and i learn things from you you know i learn a lot from you as well thank so you much. well stephanie all right have a good one talk to you yeah, soon you too awesome. enjoy your day you too bye-bye all right bye-bye